Miracy. Every afternoon, as they were coming from school, the children used to go and play in the giant's garden. It was a large, lovely garden with soft green grass. Here and there, over the grass, stood beautiful flowers like stars. And there were twelve peach trees that in the springtime broke out into delicate blossoms of pink and pearl, and in the autumn bore rich fruit. The birds sat on the trees and sang so sweetly that the children used to stop their games in order to listen to them. How happy we are, they cried to each other. One day, the giant came back. He had been to visit his friend the Cornish ogre, and had stayed with him for seven years. After the seven years were over, he had said all that he had to say, for his conversation was limited, and he decided to return to his own castle. When he arrived, he saw the children playing in the garden. What are you doing here, he cried in a very gruff voice, and the children ran away. My own garden is my own garden, said the giant. Anyone can understand that, and I will allow nobody to play in it but myself. So he built a high wall around it and put up a notice board. Trespassers will be prosecuted. He was a very selfish giant. Hi, I'm Lisa Bloom, the story coach, and you're listening to Once Upon a Business. In each episode, we'll explore a story, a fairy tale, folk tale, or traditional story, so that we can discover the amazing lessons relevant for business and for entrepreneurs. Since the selfish giant had blocked them out of his garden, the poor children had nowhere to play. They tried to play on the road, but the road was very dusty and full of hard stones, and they did not like it. They used to wander around the high wall when their lessons were over and talk about the beautiful garden inside. How happy we were there, they said to each other. Then the spring came, and all over the country there were little blossoms and little birds. Only in the garden of the selfish giant was it still winter. The birds did not care to sing in it as there were no children, and the trees forgot to blossom. Once a beautiful flower put its head out from the grass, but when it saw the notice board it was so sorry for the children that it slipped back into the ground again and went off to sleep. The only people who were pleased were the snow and the frost. Spring has forgotten this garden, they cried, so we will live here all the year round. The snow covered up the grass with her great white cloak, and the frost painted all the trees silver. Then they invited the north wind to stay with them, and he came. He was wrapped in furs, and he roared all day about the garden and blew the chimney pots down. This is a delightful spot, he said. We must ask the hail on a visit. So the hail came. Every day for three hours he rattled on the roof of the castle till he broke most of the slates. And then he ran around and around the garden as fast as he could go. He was dressed in grey and his breath was like ice. I cannot understand why the spring is so late in coming, said the selfish giant, as he sat at the window and looked out at his cold white garden. I hope there will be a change in the weather. But the spring never came, nor the summer. The autumn gave golden fruit to every garden, but to the giant's garden she gave none. He's too selfish, she said, so it was always winter there, and the north wind and the hail and the frost and the snow danced about through the grass. One morning, the giant was lying awake in bed when he heard some lovely music. It sounded so sweet to his ears that he thought it must be the king's musicians passing by. 
It was really only a little linnet singing outside his window, but it was so long since he had heard a bird sing in his garden that it seemed to him to be the most beautiful music in the world. Then the hail stopped dancing over his head and the north wind ceased roaring and a delicious perfume came to him through the open casement. I believe the spring has come at last, said the giant, and he jumped out of bed and looked out. What did he see? He saw the most wonderful sight. Through a little hole in the wall the children had crept in and they were sitting on the branches of the trees. In every tree that he could see there was a little child. And the trees were so glad to have the children back again that they had covered themselves with blossoms and were waving their arms gently above the children's heads. The birds were flying about and twittering with delight, and the flowers were looking up through the green grass and laughing. It was a lovely scene. Only in one corner it was still winter. It was the furthest corner of the garden, and in it was standing a little boy. He was so small that he could not reach up to the branches of the tree, and he was wandering all around it, crying bitterly. The poor tree was still quite covered with frost and snow, and the north wind was blowing and roaring above it. Climb up, little boy, said the tree, and it bent its branches down as low as it could, but the boy was too tiny. And the giant's heart melted as he looked out. How selfish I have been, he said. Now I know why the spring would not come here. I will put that poor little boy on the top of the tree, and then I will knock down the wall, and my garden shall be the children's playground forever and ever. He was really very sorry for what he had done. So he crept downstairs and opened the front door quite softly and went out into the garden. But when the children saw him, they were so frightened that they all ran away, and the garden became winter again. Only the little boy did not run, for his eyes were so full of tears that he did not see the giant coming. And the giant stole up behind him and took him gently in his hand and put him up into the tree. And the tree broke at once into blossom, and the birds came and sang on it. And the little boy stretched out his two arms and flung them around the giant's neck and kissed him. And the other children, when they saw that the giant was not wicked any longer, came running back, and with them came the spring. It's your garden now, little children, said the giant, and he took a great axe and knocked down the wall. And when the people were going to market at twelve o'clock, they found the giant playing with the children in the most beautiful garden they had ever seen. All day long they played, and in the evening they came to the giant to bid him goodbye. But where is your little companion, he said, the boy I put into the tree? The giant loved him the best because he had kissed him. We don't know, answered the children, he's gone away. You must tell him to be sure and come here tomorrow, said the giant. But the children said that they did not know where he lived and had never seen him before, and the giant felt very sad. Every afternoon, when school was over, the children came and played with the giant, but the little boy whom the giant loved was never seen again. The giant was very kind to all the children, yet he longed for his first little friend, and often spoke of him. How I would like to see him, he used to say. Years went over. And the giant grew very old and feeble. He could not play about any more, so he sat in a huge armchair and watched the children at their games and admired his garden. I have many beautiful flowers, he said, but the children are the most beautiful flowers of all. One winter morning he looked out of his window as he was dressing. He did not hate the winter now, for he knew that it was merely the spring asleep and that the flowers were resting. Suddenly he rubbed his eyes in wonder and looked and looked. It certainly was a marvellous sight. In the farthest corner of the garden was a tree quite covered with lovely white blossoms, 
Its branches were all golden, and silver fruit hung down from them, and underneath it stood the little boy he had loved. Downstairs ran the giant in great joy and out into the garden. He hastened across the grass and came near to the child, and when he came quite close, his face grew red with anger, and he said, Who hath dared to wound thee, for on the palms of the child's hands were the prints of two nails, and the prints of two nails were on the little feet. Who hath dared to wound thee, cried the giant, tell me that I may take my sword and slay him. Nay, answered the child, but these are the wounds of love. Who art thou, said the giant, and a strange awe fell on him, and he knelt before the little child. And the child smiled on the giant and said to him, You let me play once in your garden. Today you shall come with me to my garden, which is paradise. And when the children ran in that afternoon, they found the giant lying dead under the tree, all covered with white blossoms. This is a story I grew up with in Ireland and only found out years later that it was written by Oscar Wilde. I loved the imagery in the story and of course the language, and I think it holds interesting lessons. As a child, it was all about being kind and generous, how important it is to open up the beauty and blessings that you have and share with others, rather than shutting people out and building huge walls around you. I think this territorial perspective is fairly common in business. I've met many entrepreneurs who would rather carve out their piece of the pie and never share with others than potentially have everyone get a larger piece together. As a coach, I've seen both sides of this. A wonderful group I worked with in Bulgaria spoke to me about how they'd come together to share the larger clients so they could all expand their businesses by taking on bigger projects. And I've also met many coaches who are super guarded about their work and their clients. They seem full of fear that someone will steal away their lot. It's so interesting how the environment responds to the cold-heartedness of the giant by making winter stay forever, and how the giant grows to hate winter and can't see beyond it. In this perpetual cold and snowy garden, there's no hope, no possibility. I've seen in business how we can get stuck in a rut of doing things that aren't working until we fall into a kind of winter, where it's hard to see the way back and there's little light or possibility. I think that often the entrepreneurs who are caught in this winter, it becomes self-perpetuating. They're only seeing what's in front of them. Their vision has become clouded and they repeat the same things again and again, rather than take the risk of getting help, of letting in some light. Maybe it's because they don't know who to ask or who to lean towards for help. Or maybe it's because of what I mentioned earlier, the fear of losing out through collaboration and sharing. And yet, when we do reach out and get help, that's often when the spring comes into our business. In the story, the giant is woken by beautiful music, which turns out to be birdsong, because spring is returning and the children are back in his garden. And this time, instead of chasing them away, he sees the tiny boy who can't reach the only tree left in winter in the garden. The giant's heart melts as he helps the little boy up into the branches. This is a turning point in the story when we realize that the story is actually about redemption, about making right what was once wrong, and the possibility for a savior here in the story at the hands of this tiny boy, who of course turns out to be someone else entirely. It makes me think about how in business we always have another chance. 
The challenge is often figuring out how to allow ourselves to be saved. Is it through asking for help and then being able to receive what comes to us? Or is it about knowing when to quit when something just isn't working? I remember experiencing a great winter in my career when I had a corporate job that was literally making me sick. The toxic work environment coupled with many difficult relationships in the workplace was making it hard for me to see any way forward. I needed the job and it paid well, but it was horrible. I made it through the first few months by the skin of my teeth and then the day before the holidays, I was fired. At that time, it felt like a deep, snowy winter that would not let up. I felt as lonely and hopeless as the giant. But my redemption came in the form of other job opportunities that allowed me to create better relationships at work, lean into a wonderful team, and begin to see possibilities again in my career. The story ends on an interesting note. The little boy, it turns out, is actually the symbol of Christ, the ultimate savior. I found it so interesting that Oscar Wilde would have such a deep connection to Christianity. He was born in Dublin, Ireland, and like so many of his fellow countrymen, was exiled, at least intellectually and emotionally, and ended up doing some of his best work in England. It's really common that some of the greatest writers and musicians and poets who were born in Ireland actually left to Europe and other places around the world. Oscar Wilde was always seen as a flamboyant figure who lived in a very open and somewhat exotic manner. When he sued the father of a man he was having an affair with for libel, the case was dismissed and he ended up being jailed for homosexuality. His two years of hard labor seemed to quite break him, and he died a few years later broke and destitute. The Selfish Giant was written during his most creative and prolific years when he was the celebration of London. During these times, the late 1800s, it was against the law to live how he tried to. And in Ireland, and in Christianity, he certainly didn't find a welcoming home. Yet despite his own tragic life story, he remained very connected and committed specifically to the Christ figure in his work. I love to see the statue of Oscar Wilde in Dublin that was unveiled 18 years before same-sex marriage became legal in 2015. He's lazing on a rock in colour on the edge of a park, and his pose is both arrogant and self-assured. Oscar Wilde was quite a visionary, I think. He wrote brilliant comic plays about society with a dark undertone, which was quite a reflection on the reality he had to put up with. In business, we can understand the limits of what's acceptable to our audience, our communities and society. But I think we must keep pushing the edges so that we can expand to more inclusion, more redemption for the wrongs that have been done in the past, to give people opportunities who are different from us, to make representation available to all, to have tolerance be the norm. And finally, there's a natural cycle in business, not dissimilar from the seasons in our year. It's helpful to recognize as you move through these seasons, as you consider your business or the project you're focusing on right now, is it spring? Do you need the youthful input and childlike energy immersed to help you see possibility or hope or just the next steps? Or perhaps you're at the end of the summer, everything is a little overripe and could even spoil. 
you need to get ready for the upcoming autumn and winter. And I think here of the times that we get stuck trying to figure out, is this project just simply not working and needs to be let go? Or can we keep going and keep trying in order to try and make something of it? I think it's important to consider that there are natural business cycles and to get input and feedback to figure out whether you're in a natural cycle or whether you really need to try something new. Most importantly, to figure out what you need right now to keep yourself prepared, to keep yourself energized and hopeful. We can't stay stuck in one season and we can't continue to be in one season forever, but we can have redemption, hope and possibility in every season. I'm Lisa Bloom, and you've been listening to Once Upon a Business. You can find out more about me at story-coach.com. That's story-coach.com. Once Upon a Business is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Just Between Coaches and Course Lab. This episode of Once Upon a Business was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Innie is our executive producer. Post-production was by Post Office Sound. So you don't miss the episodes that are coming up on Once Upon a Business. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It really does help us out. Thank you. We'll see you next time.